Welcome back to season three of the Human Experience Podcast, hosted by me, Kiara Marie. I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and root cause protocol consultant. I'm here to share my human experience as well as have powerful conversations with the leaders in the health and wellness space. The Human Experience Podcast began because I truly believe our souls are here to experience a wide range of emotions, make mistakes, own our past traumas that led us to make them, and face our deepest fears in order to grow. The Human Experience is a conversation about self-development, conscious awareness, and normal human responses, and connecting emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health. The Human Experience promises to deliver authenticity and diversity. The Human Experience community is a group of humans doing the work so they can live their lives to their fullest potential and are here to break intergenerational family patterns so generations to come can too. At The Human Experience, we're diving deep. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. I wanted to take a brief moment to chat about the relaunch of The Nourished Method, which is my very own signature course that is 12 weeks long and it's going to look look a little bit different this time around. So if you were with me last year, I launched the Nourish Method for the first time ever. Thanks so much to the women who joined and gave me incredible feedback for this round so that things can be new and improved. Things are going to look a little bit different. No weekly calls. Um, I feel like a lot of the women got a lot of the answers that they needed from the course and just communicating with me via Messenger and the Facebook community. So that's exactly what we're going to do this time around. We're going to have a private Facebook community where all your questions and concerns are going to be answered. I'll be in there every single day, so it's really no different. Um, The course will be dropped all at once. All 12 weeks of modules will be dropped all at once. You'll have the knowledge, wisdom, and tools that I have literally in this course. Um, You'll get trackers, um, meal plans, uh, supplement guides, um, grocery guides, literally so many things, checklists, like the whole nine yards, guys. I'm not going to leave you out in the dark. I want you to succeed. I'm also teaming up, teaming up with some really awesome women in the field when it comes to movement and meal plans. You'll get set up with that. You'll get the whole works. Um, I'm really excited for this round, you guys. And the early bird special starting on February the 4th is $297 paying full. There's also a payment plan option for that, and the price will go up at the end of the week of the 4th um, to $4.97, so be sure to sign up early and let me know if you have any questions on Instagram. Okay, Elena, thank you so much for being on the Human Experience Podcast. You were actually the first guest to be on for season three, so I'm really excited to open up the season with... um, you know, tying emotional health and trauma into the healing process, because I feel like this is something that's so often overlooked. So thank you for coming on and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. No problem. So how are you doing today? It's 2021. I'm doing well. I have high hopes for the new year. It's positive <laughs> as well as I can. Yeah. Exactly. Same here. Well, I um, actually, I think um, one of our mutual friends, Nina, came, uh, introduced you to me or something like that. And we have just been in contact ever since. And I love how like intrigued you are with functional medicine and how that relates to human health. And you are a therapist and I'm intrigued by your work as well. So um what led you, you kind of told me a little bit about your story, but just to kind of 
recap, what led you to become a therapist? Sure. So um, my parents went through a divorce when I was about seven years old, and I suffered from anxiety. And my mom, being a spiritual person, open to therapy, um, brought me to counseling. And, you know, from working with someone who was really compassionate and open, I felt that connection and thought at seven which I look back and laugh at, is that I set a goal to have a private practice when I was older and through master's degree and working um, to have a private practice and help people the way that she helped me. And here I am. That's incredible. Who like actually, I don't think I know anyone in my life who decided what they wanted to become at seven years old and actually followed through with that. Usually it's like an astronaut or you know, police officer or something like that, but a therapist, that's incredible. What a story. Uh, That's not something that I can relate to because I feel like a majority of the time in um, someone's healing journey, it's usually like hitting rock bottom, like in adulthood, teenage years. And I don't know, that's how I found my career with, you know, being a practitioner, I got sick and my symptoms were taking over my life. And I was like, this sucks. I want to help other women do the same because there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of tools that aren't being brought to the surface and are actually useful and get to, getting to the root cause of your symptoms. But um, today I really want to talk about trauma. Um, and I know this is um, something that's right down your alley, being trauma informed. So can you just give us a definition of what trauma actually is? Because I think a lot of us, when we hear that word, it is traumatic. So it's like we think big scale things, but can you break that down for us? Yeah, it's really interesting because I speak with a lot of clients and, you know, I ask in one of our first or second sessions, have you ever experienced trauma? And usually the answer is no, because we identify, as you said, with trauma as like this huge catastrophic event when what trauma really is, is one or more distressing events that overwhelms our capability to cope. And so what trauma for you may not be traumatic for me. So I think that we need to really understand that people are coming, are living with trauma and are not aware of it. And so that will inform a lot of the work that people in the helping profession like you and I will do with our clients. Mm -hmm. I agree. I don't think I really even thought about trauma until like the past year and a half to two years max. Um, and that's something that I've really been exploring because I never, um, thought that I've experienced trauma. Like I've had a very blessed and happy, healthy childhood. Um, but then I started diving into the dynamics of like the relationship my mom and dad had, um, the relationship I had with my friends, um, you know, anything I endured as a child, whether it may have been like being made fun of and, you know, carrying that with me and not, cause I think of trauma as something, um, any emotion that is just stuck in the body and the tissues that hasn't been processed. Um, and I think by, <laughs> I don't know, just the world that we live in, we're told to either suck it up or just everything will be okay. It'll be fine. You know, just being told it's okay and to not actually work through and process those emotions. So I think that's how trauma gets stuck. And therefore, in my eyes, from my perspective, can create um, physical manifestations in the form of symptoms. Um, For sure. So 
I, yeah, I, I've never really thought of trauma that way. And that's something that I bring to light with my clients too. Like, are you sure you haven't really experienced trauma? Um, and then we dive into like relationships and, you know, things of that nature. Um, and that's something that you work on with your clients too, right? Yeah. Like relationships and stuff and like triggers and awareness around that. Yeah. And, and I'm seeing that, I mean, let's be real. Nobody ever wants to just start talking about their trauma. Nobody ever wants to sit down and say, Hey, when I was seven, my parents got divorced and I had horrific anxiety. Nobody wants to really disclose that because when you disclose that to another person, you first have to disclose it to yourself. And so it's much easier Mm -hmm. to push down our feelings, to repress our feelings, to keep them in our body instead of admitting them and making them real. But what we know about trauma is that it doesn't go away and it's very heavy and you can't, I mean, we always have choices. So you can choose to, you know, gloss over yours and keep on living the life that you're living. Or you can say like, I'm starting to get digestive issues. I'm starting to get migraines. I'm starting to get eczema. I'm starting to lose my hair. Like I'm, you know, I'm starting to put on weight or lose weight. Something is going on. What, and, and something is happening with my body what is also happening with me emotionally. And that's, you know, the difference in our work is that you focus on the physical manifestations more. And then I focus on the internal manifestations, the emotional manifestations and both. And that's why I am a holistic psychotherapist because you cannot just look at a person's physical body without taking an account of their emotional and vice versa. Oh yeah. I agree. Like if you really want to heal your body, heal your mind, you need to connect both of them together. And I think that's the mistake that I made. Well, unknowingly, because I didn't have the tools that I needed at the time. I was so focused on nailing down nutrition and taking all the right supplements and everything. Um, But I wasn't taking a, a look at my environment and the current state of, you know, living that I was in. Um, And I, my healing kind of hit a wall. And so actually in my Instagram post today or yesterday, when was it yesterday, the forms of stress that I had shared, it's, um, it, it comes in so many different facets and it's important to do like an audit of everything so that we're covering all of our bases and making sure that nothing is being missed, um, so that we can really get to the root of it all and at least shed some awareness on it. Like it doesn't have to, like, it's a healing journey for a reason. And I don't think that it has to be healed overnight or can be healed overnight. These are constant things. There, there will be triggers there. I think it's just awareness around like your triggers and, and navigating them day by day so that, you know, each time a trigger arrives, maybe you handle it a, a little bit better. Um, so I love what you said also, like a lot of the times we don't want to talk about our traumas. And I think someone who's like probably experienced like a lot of trauma in their life, they're less likely to open up and talk about it. It's like their heart is like closed off Mm -hmm. to the world, to people, to themselves. So how would you like even start with someone who is so just closed off, but wanting to heal? Yeah. It's, it's really delicate work. Um, it's really fragile work. And so I always say, please, if you're looking for therapy, if you're looking for coaching, 
needs and it and has to deal with trauma to find someone who is trauma informed or a trauma specialist because the work that you're doing is so critical and it can be dangerous if you're working with someone who is not properly trained because you are dealing with your senses you're dealing with your um, nervous system you're dealing with your brain you're dealing with your physical body so being guided in a proper way through that is is super important. When I work with clients, I just generally ask about, you know, they're in generally ask about have you experienced trauma? If the answer is yes, then we slowly approach that through our sessions. It's not like a crash course in trauma in, in the first session, right? It usually takes us to get to know each other and then by the fifth session, we start to enter like what a childhood bring about for you? Like, what are your feelings around that? And we explore that way. Um, if someone automatically says no to trauma, that's fine. There's no forcing you to talk about your trauma, obviously, because that part is traumatic. Um, so you should never feel forced in therapy to disclose things that you're not comfortable with disclosing. And then we just take it really slow. And usually on the client's own, being in a safe space week after week, getting to know me and building that therapeutic relationship, they start to drop their guard a little bit and open up and say, you know what, I've experienced this, this, and this, and I'm recognizing that it's not normal. It's not normal that I'm feeling these things. It's not normal that I'm experiencing these things. You know, what does that mean? Or what does that look like to you as a therapist? And I can say, this is trauma. And at that point there, they trust me and we've built this relationship where they feel safe enough to say, I'm ready to talk about it. Mm. And that's the first step, right? And what sort of tools or, or how do you guide them through that process of moving through that trauma? And are there any tools that you bring in to kind of help them cope? So in the beginning sessions, I like to send over some journal prompts to help the client get to know themselves better because when you first come to therapy, it's usually at rock bottom. I don't have a lot of clients um, who come and say, hey, I'm at a really great point in my life. I just want to keep getting better. That's my hope. My hope is that we end the stigma around mental health and getting help so much so that you don't have to wait until you hit rock bottom to say, like, I can better myself from here. Um, so I like to start off with some journal prompts. I like to start off with suggesting to get a journal just to go through if something comes up during the day to raise awareness, you jot it down and you bring it to session and we analyze it, we break it apart and we relate it to how you're currently living. I think that that's super important because the first step in healing is to raise your awareness. And I know that that's really cliche, but you cannot heal something if it is still in the dark. Mm. Yes, bring it to light. That is so true. And I love journaling. I think I have my journal right here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've i been journaling for a couple years now. And just like, it can be anything. Um, but when I was processing my traumas, and like my family's traumas, this was something that I would just move through like anything that was coming to mind. I didn't have like any particular journal prompts. But I think I told you about um, the book, It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. Yeah. I know a lot of people in this community. I, I mean, that's how I heard of it. I was like, what is this book? I need it. And it was quite literally the most fascinating book that I've ever read on trauma. And um, The Body Keeps Score. I can't remember who wrote it. Wow. But um, 
it, it really does. And so the Mark Wollen book, It Didn't Start With You, had some journal prompts in there as well. So anyone who's looking for some journal prompts and moving through like generational patterns or traumas that we're probably unaware of, um, again, just bringing awareness to some things, um, that's a really good resource, I would say. I really, really like that book. And, you know, on that note, like generational trauma is something that I thought was, I don't know, kind of woo woo. I thought I was like, is that really like, I'd like to believe it. Like I'm all about, I'm open. I'm very, very open-minded. But um, I was like, is it, is it actually true? And so Mark Woolen really goes into like the science and like the biology of how, I mean, we pass through our mother's vaginal canal, like the her microbiome is being um, transferred over to us. And with that microbiome, like all DNA is impacted by trauma that can express certain genes. Um, so <laughs> I have made a lot of um, like sense with that, I guess, in my own family and trying to navigate like why I am a certain way and so forth. And it just, it makes a lot of sense when you put like all the pieces to the puzzle together. So it really is like a deep dive and you, you can't do it in a year. You can't do it in a couple of years. It really is like a lifelong journey practicing that awareness and bringing to the equation, like whatever tools help you. Um, so journal prompts. I love it. Is there anything else? Um, I just wanted to hop back about the book. I was able to skim through, oh, yeah. um, like little pieces of it really quick before today. Yeah. And I, one thing that stood out with me, um, because I do a lot of work with generational trauma, obviously it comes up when you talk about trauma and childhoods is that, our perception of our parents can inform the quality of our current life. And so when we learn to accept that our parents have parented us through their own baggage and they came with their own heaviness and they came with their own generational trauma and their own baggage without maybe knowing how to heal or without having the resources to heal we cannot control that piece. We cannot control our parents. We cannot change them and the decisions that they've made. But what we can do is change the perception and the image that we have of our parents. And that happens through healing your core wounds. And so mm. if your core wounds like abandonment is an example of one because it comes up so often. If your core wound is abandonment and you're not healing it, you're viewing your relationships and you're viewing your job and you're viewing your parents through the wounds of abandonment. And so that's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to receive. If you are learning to heal these wounds, you are going to look at it from such a healthier place where you can detach and say, you know what? These weren't, my father made decisions that I would not have made as an adult, but I accept that I accept him. And now I'm going to choose to look at him in a different light. And that's where a lot of my healing came from was learning to look at my dad in a way of someone who is wounded and fragile and full of trauma. And so I'm able to look at him and say, you know, he did the best that he, he knew how to do. And so now it's my turn to say, how can I break that generational trauma for the next generation to come or even for my current mm. relatives? Mm. I love that really so much. Work. That is, it's so powerful. Like that really hit home for me. And that is something that I've been moving through with my father as well. 
Um, I've talked about this on the podcast before, like the relationship that I have with my dad and it's still very much in this healing phase. Um, but I have changed my perception of him because I do understand that he is full of trauma and that he is full of wounds. And, um, I mean, as a lot of, a lot of us are right. Like a lot of, I feel like this whole like, um, topic of trauma is at least fairly new to me, but I feel like there's this huge movement of it. And maybe like a lot of our parents, I don't know, when I talk to my parents, they're like, what? (laughs) They're like, what is trauma? Like, I don't know what you mean. And they're doing a lot of their own work as well. Like my dad got that book. My mom is in her own like um, course with this guy and it's bringing up her own traumas and memories that she hasn't even thought of in over 40 years. And I think it's spectacular and awesome to, it's really never too late to take a look at that for your own benefit and like to the benefit of everyone else around you as well. Um, But speaking of abandonment, I felt like that was something that I've never experienced because again, I had both of my parents. We had like the best childhood. We were like, went on family vacations. Like we had the whole nine yards, but I don't think I, I guess my form of abandonment was, I didn't have the bond that I probably needed with my dad growing up as a, as a young girl. Um, although I was loved and nurtured like by all means, like anything. Um, but can you talk about abandonment and what that typically looks like um, and how that can come to light in relationships? Sure. And so I think that it's really important to first as we're talking about trauma is to give ourselves grace and being gentle with ourselves because what we're talking about is really powerful stuff and it can be very heavy on your emotions so i think that anyone who's doing trauma work is courageous and amazing so first and foremost secondly abandonment is a core wound that we usually receive in childhood um it can inform the rest of our relationships and relationships with ourselves because we are living through the fear of abandonment. And so logically we say, why am I holding on to this fear of abandonment if that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me? Because as we know, what we fear, we attract, right? So if we're going into a situation fearing abandonment, we may only be able to see the things that reflect abandonment back to us. And so in relationships, we we become... Um, an attachment style of insecurity and and needing to overcompensate and feeling codependent and anxiety and depression if the person doesn't pay enough attention to us or give us the needs that we need to get. And, you know, you can experience that in every relationship. It doesn't have to be romantic. It could be through your job or through your clients or with your parent figures and friendships. And so that really carries us until we we are able to say look okay I have to do something different because this is no longer working for me and that's when my clients are able to come for therapy is when they have done the same way that you've done trauma work on your own and the way that your mom's doing it your dad bought the book at some point you do hit a wall in your journey and you say like okay the coping skills and the and the way that I was teaching myself isn't really working right now and so I need to take it to the next level and then that's when my clients usually call me and abandonment wounds rejection wounds are something that really show when we break that down and there's imposter syndrome that goes along with that feeling inadequate feeling like you're not good enough um feeling like I'm just going to give up if things get hard 
And then we that can lead you into discussion about mindsets. Mindsets right now are very big. They're really coming out in therapy. Do you have a fixed mindset versus a growth, growth mindset? And these are things that we develop as we go through our life, continuing to take on either trauma responding or traumatic relationships or unhealthy relationships, working at a dead end job, um, continuing the pattern with familial arguments and familial drama instead of breaking it. And so you just hit, you hit a wall. Eventually you hit a wall and you say, what are, what are my next steps? Yeah. I think that (laughs) everything that you said about all of the, um, I don't know, symptoms, if you will, that arise in a relationship, like the the codependency, the neediness, like seeming like all these things. And if you're unaware of trauma and you just, I don't know, you could be labeled as something like crazy. I've seen, I've, I've, I've been called that. I've called people that when I was unaware and, um, not, uh, yeah, I didn't know about trauma. So it's important to, to be aware of it so that you're, you're not labeling anyone or labeling yourself as that because um, you're not crazy. Like I, I, I see that in people and it's like, if someone's hurt, hurt, what do they say? Hurt people, hurt people. Right. Exactly. So um, if, if you're hurt and you're in a relationship and you don't know that you're hurt, that can bring some, some drama, some stress. And then this, the cycle is just, it's vicious and it's, it's cyclical if, if you don't actually address it and get to the bottom of it yeah. and look at your, your family patterns that you have in your life, because it is such a, such a subconscious thing to have experience like in childhood and seeing your, the way your mom and your dad were and seeing those patterns come to light in adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what was I going to say? I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, the, the, the mindset thing that you were saying, um, I also feel like that kind of ties into an addiction to chaos. Absolutely. And I don't know. I, I feel like that's something that I also have experienced myself in the way my mom has also been raised in like her childhood and how she was, um, you know, told to be like the adult of all of her siblings and took care of all of her siblings. So being forced in that parent role at a very, very young age. And from that moment forward, like this addiction to stress and just having to do all of the things and that in itself is a trauma response too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So our brain is wired to keep us in a comfort zone. So when you're actually going for therapy or, or trying it out on yourself, getting you self-help, you're fighting your own brain almost because your brain is saying to yourself, saying to itself, no, I don't, I don't want you to step out of this chaos. I don't want you to step out of this abandonment wound or this, this trauma response that we've held on to for so long because that was our means of survival. And so your comfort zone wants you to stay in a place where you're not growing. Your brain wants you to stay in a place where you're not growing because it's scary. It's scary to experience the unknown and it's scary to start to change habits. And I know that I'm sure the work that you're doing 
You can see that with people on the physical end, if they have to switch up their dieting, or if they have to add supplements that they're not used to, or begin body movement, and they're just used to being sedentary. You know, it is a challenge to bring someone out of their comfort zone, so that they can start to make the changes. And that's why it needs to be done in a safe space with someone that they trust um, with what your client, who your client trusts. So that, mm-hmm. you know, we have to tell ourselves like, to be gentle with ourselves, like we are on this mission to to grow and we're on this mission to, to change. But we have to recognize that our brain really wants us to stay here. And so whatever you mm-hmm. have to do or whatever the work that it's different for everyone, whatever the work is that the person has to do to bring them out of that, it's literally re- rewiring your brain. So if I am going to get into an argument with my boyfriend and I choose to storm out and, and slam the door and not talk to him, you know, is that a pattern that I want to keep repeating? Or is the pattern, or do I want to change a pattern and say, I'm going to help, I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to communicate. I'm going to set a boundary. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to allow him to be vulnerable instead of just Mm. slamming things, exiting, shutting my phone, all of that. So it's literally in the moment when you experience the distressing event, when you experience the trauma, or when you are aware, when you're at the place where you're aware enough to see, hey, I'm acting out of my abandonment wound. What can I do in this moment? I always tell my clients, take a pause. Do not ever be afraid to center yourself. Take the time that you need and say, in this moment, how can I do this differently so that I am bringing myself away from an unhealthy pattern and closer to the person that I want to be, closer to the person that's healing? And so it's really mm. moment by moment work of rewiring and retraining your brain to get yourself there. Yes, yes, yes. And taking that pause and allowing yourself that pause and asking to be respected during that pause because, um, if we don't, it's a reaction, right? And not a response that the other person is getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been there. It is plenty hard. <laughs> I'm sure you know, too. It's like the hardest thing because um, have you done any like d- deep dive into like ego work and anything like that? Like higher self, ego? Not a deep dive. Just, just not a deep dive. Yeah, I've never done like, I guess a, a deep dive, but um, I've read a few books. I've definitely listened to a lot of thought leaders in that space, mm-hmm. but um, I know ego kind of drives that moment. Yeah. Like wanting to either be right or just prove a point. Um, speak louder than the other person when they're speaking at you, wanting to defend yourself, wanting to protect your heart in that moment, because that's all we're doing, right? We're just trying to protect ourselves from that trauma response from taking place. And um, then it comes off as rude or insensitive to the other person. And so they're trying to defend their heart too. So remaining open during those moments, taking a pause and actually speaking with, um, with intent and being conscious and aware during that moment. Um, any other tips for like when a trigger arises and you're just like, Oh my God. (laughs) So it's, it's important to remember that when your trauma triggered, it's because it's reminding you of something from your past. And so in the moment, you are not, you may not be in danger. Like in the moment, you know, this trigger may not have been as catastrophic as the trigger that started your trauma. And so we have to remember that, that in this moment, you know, 
my means of survival that I had for the past 15 years to get through my trauma or the past five years to get through my trauma does not need to be the same survival method that I'm using in this moment. I'm different now. I am an adult. I'm not a, I'm not a helpless child. You know, I am, I have more tools in my toolbox. Now I am able to come with emotional intelligence and maturity. And those are the things that we forget in our trauma moment because we are trauma responding. And that's, you know, there's a lot of trauma responding happening in our world that we can see. And we have to understand that each person that we're dealing with is coming with their own trauma. And so, you know, how would you like to be treated if you were in a trauma space? And that should really just... Mm -hmm. I, I'm hoping that we can somehow raise our empathy collectively so that we see people for, you know, people are in pain, people are struggling. And that does not excuse, you know, I want to make this clear, that does not excuse abuse yeah. or um, inappropriate behavior at all. You can still set your boundaries. You can still remove yourself. You can still cut ties. That's a given. Um, but in the way that we treat each other and the way that we relate each other, I think it's relate to each other. I think it's really important that we start to look at each other, that we are not perfect, that we are not coming from this elevated, um, high horse that sometimes we perceive ourselves to be on, which is another trauma response. Um, and just learn to accept people for who they are. And if they're not a good fit for us, that we can healthily walk away from that and say, you know, I appreciate you as a person. This is not just, this is just not for me. And that goes across the board with jobs that are no longer serving you, with relationships, with family ties, with um, unhealthy diets or addictions. This is no longer working mm. for me. This was the way that I used to cope. I do not have to cope like this anymore. I'm willing to make a change. Mm. I love everything you just said, especially with like the past year and everything that we've been moving through as a collective. Um, something that I've been doing lately is viewing those around me as children. I mean, like you said, we, we are adults now, so it's totally different, but I feel like if I do that, I see the wounds that someone might still have and can see how they're acting out and slowly learn to accept that this is where they are right now. And I need to get off my high horse and <laughs> let go of the expectation that I have of them. Um, and this is their journey. Like this is their own personal journey. They don't have to be where I am. And if they don't, like you said, like setting that boundary, like, thank you for, you know, uh, I appreciate you as a person, but this is not for me right now. And let that be that. Um, I think setting boundaries is something that I'm still very much struggling with um, because I feel guilty or bad. And I'm trying to like dig deeper into that. So can we talk about boundaries? <laughs> So whenever boundaries come up and someone either feels guilt around them or feels bad around them, that is not an abnormal reaction. There are most evolved people, I believe, will still feel a little twinge of feeling uncomfortable when they have to set a boundary at some point in their life with someone. But the bulk of the work um, with my clients and with myself has been a self-worth wound that surfaces when we're trying to make a boundary. And so... Yeah. boundaries are not to penalize the other person. Like some people have the perception, like I'm going to set a boundary so that they know, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's not about the other person. Boundaries are about you. 
And so how are you protecting your mental health? How are you protecting your physical health and your emotional health in a way that is, you know, really connected to who you are authentically in your core? And so if we struggle with a self-worth um, issue or if we struggle with an abandonment wound or a, or a rejection wound, we're not going to have an easy time setting a boundary because our thought is always going to go to, will this person leave me or will this person be mad at me? Or will I disappoint this person if I set this boundary? Or am I hurting their feelings if I set this boundary? And when you raise your level of self-worth to get to a really healthy place, you're going to say to yourself things like, I'm setting this boundary because it is coming from self-love. I'm setting this boundary because I can no longer sacrifice my mental health to make this person feel comfortable in my life. And you're going to be yes. with that. It's not going to ever feel like, hey, I can't wait to set this hard boundary. Like you're not, it's not about that. It's about saying, I'm going to do something really hard. I'm going to give myself grace as I do it. And I'm going to feel peace afterwards because my focus and my priority is taking care of me. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can show up as you need to be in this world, reaching your fullest potential Mm -hmm. and helping others around you. Otherwise you're not serving yourself or anyone else around you. Um, And I think that I heard something months ago that said uh, people pleasing. And I think that's kind of where it comes from too. People pleasing um, is selfish because you're doing it in fear of avoiding conflict for yourself. Right. So I was like, dang, that hit home because I'm a huge people pleaser. I just want everyone around me to be comfortable and happy. And like, I I don't want to disappoint anyone. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me to be selfish and be like, no, like, but it's not selfish. You're right. It's like, it's, it's a place, uh, it's coming from a place of self-love and, also for the other person too, because there's obviously a reason why a boundary needs to be set. And I think that, I don't know, for me and what I've experienced, like uh, either a relationship with someone has been toxic, they've, they've crossed the line, um, inserting like their advice or unsolicited opinions about something. What are some other reasons someone might need to set a boundary? So to circle back, I liked um, how you said that it's it's not being um, authentic. It's not living authentically. And I think that that's really important how you said that that hit home for you because that wasn't what you wanted the other person to receive from you. I'm sure mm-hmm. that wasn't your goal yeah. is to not be a fraud. I mean, nobody wants that. But what's happening is that you're not living authentically. And when you're not living authentically in your true purpose and true self, you begin to feel that also physically. And then you begin to say to yourself, why am I attracting people who have nothing to do with the person that I am? And it's because you're emitting a frequency, you're putting out an energy that is attracting people to that energy. And so if you're not living authentically, you're not going to attract people who are either authentic or who are a match to who you are internally. And so, wow. Yeah. So it's really an awareness. Like you have to be aware of, you know, am I entering this job being authentic Elena? Am I entering this relationship being who I truly am? Am I walking in my purpose and in this friendship? Am I sacrificing? Am I making myself small or am I saying yes to things that I really want to say no to because it feels 
like I'm just like making the other person feel good. And those things, that is a slow spiritual death. The more that you say yes to things that you really want to say no to, the more that you compromise who your true self is, the more that you people please, the more that you react out of fear of abandonment instead of self-worth, a high level of self-worth, you are just slowly moving away from from your true self and it's it's just it doesn't feel good and it won't feel good it won't feel good I have been there I um also ended a an eight-year relationship Mm -hmm. earlier last year actually yeah it's been like a year um and me people pleasing and sacrificing the things that I wanted to do for the other person and losing myself in that relationship to no fault of you know anyone but my own of course um not fault but just taking responsibility mm-hmm. for that um i just so badly wanted things to work but wasn't realizing that the yeah that energy i don't know i just like i experienced so many physical manifestations from that and it was because i was um it was a spiritual death like i and then ever since i've moved away from that like symptoms just magically like dissipated. It was mind blowing to me. Um, and just being in alignment with the decisions I've made moving forward. Um, and being so connected to yourself so that you know what decisions and choices align with you and your purpose and your higher self. Um, so yeah, it, it is like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we have to hit these, these roadblocks in order to, really be aware of that and know these things because otherwise I feel like a lot of us are on autopilot unfortunately but sometimes that wake-up call can help um shift some things if things aren't working you know obviously um where were we before that boundary talk boundary talk yeah so what other reasons um would someone need to set a boundary well setting boundaries can come from really any any source, any reason to set boundaries. The only, the real reason that people have trouble with setting boundaries is the um, unaddressed core wounds because you, or trauma, you know, traumas that it's all grouped together. The things that we experience in childhood, teenage years, and even like early adulthood, we carry that, we carry that with us. And sometimes, you know, as we said, we don't even know that it's lingering in our bodies. We don't even know that, you know, we're going through our life unaware of our struggles, unaware of our blockages. And so when we talk about energy stuff, the way when you set a boundary, you're actually energetically setting a boundary as well. And so the way that you said when you ended an eight-year toxic relationship, you know, your energy was so caught up in how can you make your relationship work? And I've been there, trust me. It's so caught up in that type of like cyclone that when you were able to cut that energy off, when you were able to cut that person off, your life changed. And and we can see that happen. You ever end a friendship with someone and you're like, wow, I feel like I lost 50 pounds. That happened to me in June. And so my life has transformed since then because the energy was, it was an energy leak. The friendship was an energy leak. The friendship was heavy. The friendship was me playing small. The friendship was, you know, I have to tiptoe because she's fragile. You know, it was a lot. And so when Mm. I, when I made that um, 
cut, I was able to use my energy in different places. My energy was freed up to do things that were purposeful to my life. It was now freed up so that I can focus on myself. And so it's just like a piece of a puzzle where healthy self-worth is so high up there. And then boundaries can happen in a real authentic and gentle way. Um, Just a sidebar, one of my clients years ago said something to me that really always sticks in my mind is that her goal, one of her goals was to learn to leave in a healthy way. And so for her leaving things, it had to be this dramatic blow up fight and, and drama and slamming. And it was just always messy. Her leaving things was always mm. messy. And she said, I want to learn how to leave things in a healthy way. And so that was with being able to grow your self-worth. Where, where are the obstacles? Where are the blockages? Where are the wounds? Grow your self-worth, get it up there, and then learn to say, this just doesn't fit. And it's okay to say that to someone. It's okay. They have to manage their reaction to that. It's okay to say, you're no longer a good fit for my life. This no longer feels good to me. I can no longer commit to this. It's too heavy or it's too... Um, it's it's pulling too much of my energy. You're allowed to say these things. It doesn't have to be a whole cut off, blow up, just to set a boundary. Oh my god, I can relate to that so much, especially with like a friendship. And it's yeah, it, 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 I just like have this deep fear of like, oh my god, I don't know what that would be like saying. And I've never ever done that to like a friend. Like this no longer serves me and I don't feel like it no it, it, it any longer serves you. Yeah. Um, wow, that is powerful stuff. And um, going back to what you said about your client having to have things blow up in, in order for things to end, um, that's something that I was very conscious of by the time the relationship ended. And um, making it more normalizing, like healthy endings Mm -hmm. and moving forward. And that's something that him and I were mature enough to do. Like nothing happened. It was just a beautiful, loving ending and everything was beautiful. Like it was literally the most loving relationship ending that there ever was, Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least in my, my life. And um, I thought that was really cool. Like we even did something sort of like a closing ceremony, like to mourn the relationship because it is like a painful, it is a grieving process Um, and normalizing that it doesn't have to be like this big blow up. And I feel like that almost allows uh, room for, I don't know, I don't know, more stored trauma. I guess like a traumatic ending. Mm -hmm. Um, If someone ghosts you and so forth, um, that can definitely be stored as trauma. Um, I want to move on to the victim mindset, if that's okay. Because it's something that I really didn't move out of for like a year. I was playing victim to my life and I felt like I had zero control over what was happening to me rather than for me. I realize that now everything in my life has happened for me and like feeling chronically sick and, you know, um, breaching the rock bottoms that I have. Um, what does a victim mindset look like and how can someone begin to move out of that? 
So victim mentality is really popular and, and, you know, we can go throughout our life and not even realize some, the times that we are playing victim. It's a really hard thing to admit because it is self-preservation and it's, it's used for survival. Um, so that goes along with a fixed mindset, fixed versus growth mindset. So a victim mentality mm-hmm. falls under the, the fixed mindset of, this is too hard. I'm going to stop at the challenge. Or, you know, I, I failed at this. They're self-perceiving a failure. I failed at this and I'm just not going to keep going. Or, you know, everything happens to me, as you said. Um, I can't get out of this. I'll always be broke. Um, I hate my job. It's a dead-end job. It's never ending. So when you stay in that cycle, you are going to attract more things that perpetuate a victim mentality. Like we said, the universe responds to your dominant frequency, your dominant thought, your dominant behaviors. If you're staying in the circle of, you know, shitty circumstances that you keep repeating over and over in your head, that sh- that becomes your mantra. That becomes your affirmation and your and your your brain is taking on these thoughts as a rewiring. And so because the brain loves the comfort zone, Now you're extra in a comfort zone because your whole being embodies a victim and a victim mindset, a victim mentality. And again, usually we hit a wall or a rock bottom and we say something just isn't right. If we have enough awareness to do that, there are people who are in their 70s in a victim mentality and they're choosing that. And that's fine. People don't have to change what they're comfortable with. But if you're starting to see that your life doesn't look the way that you want it to look, or you're starting to compare, which is is never a good thing, but you're starting to see other people around you and they're elevating and they're moving forward and they're getting their dream job. There has to be some part of you when you're ready to change that says, okay, I love that my people are going through that and they're experiencing that, but why not me? And when you start to question the why not me, there's no answer to that. It can always be you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you have to you have to want to say <laughs> something is wrong here. It's something that I'm doing. Maybe it's my thought pattern. Maybe it's my everyday behaviors. Um, my clients work a lot on routines, like a morning routine, evening routine. You know, what are some things that what are one what is one thing that I can change this week? Because you don't like to we don't like to overwhelm the brain. It doesn't it doesn't process change that way. It will shut down. And that's the opposite of where we're trying to go. So bridging the gap between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset, you know, you can perceive it as something easy because it is an awareness. So if I'm saying to myself every day, I hate my job, I'm going to attract more things to make me hate my job. So how can I change that affirmation? How can I switch that mantra to something more positive? How can I switch my, you know, the embodiment of a mindset? How can I move it towards the growth mindset where you're saying, okay, maybe I experience a failure, but that failure opened my eyes to a way that I can move forward. Right. It's almost like Mm -hmm. a silver lining or someone being optimistic to, to help you move out of the victim mentality. You have to want to break up with that feeling. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think one thing that I've been reading in in a book that I'm currently reading it's, it's about like manifestations. And I know that sounds like so woo woo to some people, but 
the shit works. Like, like you said, like the, the universe here is like your most dominant energy, your most dominant frequency. And that's how I, I got to like where I am today. And I still have so much more that I want to do, but I know how to do it now. And I am so confident. I, I believe it and I feel it so much. Um, so one simple, like, I guess, affirmation, if you will, instead of like, I have to do this. That is victim. I feel like that plays victim so hard. I have to do this today. But like your life runs you then rather than I get to do this today. Like that simple like mindset shift, I feel like is so huge. And um, I love how you work on routines with your clients. Like I love that so much. I started my routines, I guess, like three years ago. Um, and that has been my ritual. That has been my ceremony. Like ritual and ceremony have been a part of our lives for centuries. Um, and I feel like it's something that has been kind of lost. I mean, there are a lot of people like in this community who like cherish the rituals and ceremonies, but, um, in the modern day society, we are like that go, go, go nine to five. Like we don't have time for ourselves kind of mentality. Um, but I feel like these routines and rituals can be really, um, grounding and, form of self-care as long as we're not making it like a checklist item although I have been there I have been like I gotta do all the things and going back to what you said about you know our, our brains can't process everything at once just focusing on one thing a week and really prioritizing that one thing so that you get comfortable in that one thing and knowing that that one thing is for you a lot of the times when we're creating new routines for ourselves it's a it's a new habit um and can be uncomfortable at first and maybe it's not all for everyone you know like um I know a lot of my clients although I will say I think meditation anything that we're uh what do I say I said anything that um is creating resistance requires the most attention. For example, meditation, if we have this inability to sit still, okay, are you this fight or flight person? Are you go, go, go all the time? Um, there's a reason for that. And I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to sit with it just a little bit longer, maybe increase your meditation by one minute each week, or, or only doing a minute, like taking those deep breaths and focusing on breath work and knowing that because I think a lot of the times, just like toxins in our beauty care and skincare, a lot of the times these things are overlooked because they're invisible and we're not actually seeing the results happen rather than like taking a supplement and feeling that instantaneously or like a prescription medication. You know what I mean? Um, so those habits might take a little bit longer to actually stay true with. But I think once you do, you will notice like versus when you don't have those rituals in place. I know it. Like if I ever, for some reason, um, fall out of a, a routine, if I'm traveling or something, although I do like to stay as close as possible to my home environment um, and creating that safe space for myself, because otherwise I will feel frantic. I will feel frazzled and I just won't be myself. I can't show up how I want to show up. Right. Taking care of yourself and prioritizing yourself is key. Setting boundaries, doing the work, um, shutting awareness around your traumas, and just just living the life that you were meant to live, I feel like. And um, it's important to do that in today's world with everything that's going on. Absolutely. So we can make this world a better place. Yeah. And, it, it, really <laughs> and it, is. it really highlights how you have control over your internal environment and yourself. Because 
the world is chaotic. We can all probably agree that we went through a really rough year. Um, so if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with depression, having a routine or a ritual that you know you are committed to will calm the nervous system. It will calm your anxieties. Like you said, it is grounding. Uh, meditation alone is grounding. And if you are not a meditation person, that's fine. There's so many other things to do in a ritual that you can create on your own. I don't, I give suggestions to my clients, obviously, of things that I know can work. They have to choose what really feels good for them because it's not a homework assignment. It's not a checklist. It's when you're ready to do it, when you're ready to commit to it. And it really enforces your focusing on yourself, focusing on what you can control and knowing that tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to feel really good. When I do this ritual, I'm looking forward to it. And it's a way to start your day in a very calm state with your anxiety at baseline. And so when you meditate and when you have these rituals, you are training yourself to be in that kind of like meditative, calmer state so that when you are triggered, when you go to work and there's stressors, like we we will never be able to help our external world. So we'll always be experiencing some type of type of stressor, stressor and trigger. But it is up to us to say, hey, I, I'm knowledgeable enough or I have built my coping skills to a space where I can grab onto them and I can do my breath work on the train or I can pop in my binaural beats and listen to it while I am writing my client notes. Or, you know, when I get home tonight, it's definitely an Epsom salt bath and aromatherapy night. So these are the things that anchor us. And it's really important, especially this past year, that we find things that connect to us on a level that are going to work for us, that are going to be mm. a commitment and something that makes us feel good. We should not be engaging in things, people, places that take us away from feeling good. And that was one of my biggest priorities for that I've learned over 2020 because I saw that life is short and I saw that life is tumultuous and it's sad and and whatever we've been through whatever your experience is it was i made a commitment that i'm going to engage in things that feel good to me and if they don't feel good like gossip or um a certain type of exercise or a food that, that I was eating. If those things are taking me further away from feeling good, I am not going to commit to them anymore. And when you have that, that type of perception of it, it doesn't feel like, Hey, I'm on a diet or, Hey, I have to do this workout or, Hey, I have to endure this friendship just because I know her for so long. That's, that's, that's the energy that we want to move away from because it no longer is serving us collectively. Mm. Yes. Everything you just said, praise hands. <laughs> uh, who wouldn't want that in their toolkit? Like just to be able to access those tools, at least just being aware of them and, and ha knowing that you're not stuck. You you can heal and you can move forward in your life. I think that was a beautiful way to end, Elena. Thank you so, so much for your time here today. I hope everyone got at least something out of this episode and of um, before we end, I do want to ask you where people can find you. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. It was really great connecting. Um, I hope someone does resonate with our chat today. So I can be found on um, Instagram currently. I'm in the process of building a website and expanding, but right now I'm at Be Well Counseling, B underscore well underscore counseling on Instagram. And that's perfect. Bye -bye. And you're in New York, right? So yes, New York. Moving forward. 
Okay, so if, if someone wants to become a client, um, you do have to live in the state of New York for now. Correct. Yep. Okay, awesome. Well, you guys heard it here first. Thank you so much, Elena. Until next time, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Experience Podcast. I always appreciate your love via Instagram DMs, so feel free to take a screenshot if you're listening and be sure to tag me on Instagram. And of course, if you feel called to, I would love, love to see you leave a five-star rating and review so that others can hear my voice too. Until next time.